the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, good afternoon. Welcome to Lifeline, featuring the most spectacular, the most talented, the best-looking talk show host. (laughs) Yeah, when the announcer doesn't show up and I have to do it for myself, I figure if I get to introduce myself, I'm going to do it my way. Good afternoon. Sorry about that. I I think maybe we we failed to to pay the orchestras. (laughs) (laughs) or something so no band no announcer just little old me great to have you with us it is indeed saint patrick's day i know what the problem is i don't think i failed to wear green today so they're punishing me (laughs) nevertheless wonderful to have you on board for the wednesday edition of lifeline craig roberts is always keeping you company as we do each monday through friday from 5 until 7 p.m., some days with theme songs, some days without, as we address issues that impact your life, your world, and your Christian walk. Coming up a little bit later on in tonight's program, we've asked Brian Johnston with the National Right to Life Committee to drop by. Give us an update on what you'll no doubt find as shocking as as I have. Uh, You know, we understand that Congress moves kind of slow some days, most days. Uh, but to try to get around and complete the passage of legislation that they started 49 years ago <laughs> seems to be pushing the outer limits of the timeline. But in respect to the Equal Rights Amendment, this no laughing matter, that's exactly what they're attempting to do. We're going to tell you why and why this is entirely unconstitutional when Brian Johnston joins us a little bit later on. Also, our good buddy Pete Peterson from the Pepperdine School of Public Policy will give us an update on the efforts to recall Governor Gavin Newsom. If successful, he will be only the second California governor to be recalled, right behind Gray Davis, and only the third in U.S. history. So, what of the progress of the recall effort? And most importantly, if he goes... Who comes in his place? We'll talk about that as Pete Peterson joins us on the program. Traffic reports, of course, every 10 minutes to get you home safe and sound, music or not. And as we uh, meet our first guest tonight, a real privilege, certainly no stranger to the KFAX microphones. In fact, a familiar voice not only on this radio station, but on radio stations across the country for continuously... Some 35 years now, since 1986, she is the author of multiple best-selling books, the recipient of the prestigious NRB Broadcast Ministry of the Year Award. By many accounts, a broadcast pioneer in her own right is one of the first women to host a national call-in counseling program. She has an MA in Christian counseling. Her works have been translated into more than 35 languages, which some might argue on even a good day for me, that's 35 more than I <laughs> I can sometimes successfully communicate in. And we're delighted to have join us on the program the founder of Hope for the Heart Ministries, June Hunt. June, good to have you with us. What a delight. What an introduction. And what a personality yeah. you have. 
You get to well, keep bless your heart. about the truth, don't you? Indeed so, and we are excited to have you join us today. Now, first, I must ask you how things are, are faring there in the great state of Texas. I heard from a friend earlier today that, at least down toward the panhandle, uh, they were going through yet another blizzard. I imagine, though, up in, up in your neck of the woods in the Plano area, probably not quite as cold. Dallas is not as cold, but it um, we, we we have great memories. Uh, we we know what it was like uh, a few weeks ago, and uh, when you lose power and all kinds of things. But you know, uh, the important thing is we've got to focus on truth, and that's what I'm hearing that you do. You focus on truth that sets us free. And thank you for your stance. I deeply appreciate uh, your ministry. June, we had a chance to speak earlier in the pandemic, and, and I'm curious, just based on the calls that you're taking from listeners across the country, generally speaking, how do folks seem to be faring through all of this stress, What with what's been going on politically uh, over the past many months, and then, of course, complicated by the tragic, tragic loss of life? That's a great question. I think it does depend on each individual in this respect, if you don't know God in a personal way and have not entered into a true relationship uh, with Him, uh, things can seem much like um, some people would say a crapshoot. <laughs> it's like, well, the, it, you know, what, whatever is going to be the dice that uh, I'm going to throw, or you know, it, it's it's much like the luck concept. I, I hope I'm lucky enough. Um, actually, when you asked that question, um, the thing that was most poignant to me, I was asked this, uh, what has been the most um, poignant call you know, recently? I just was asked this today uh, from another station, and I said it was someone from California, a woman whose, whose husband had brought her to the Lord. She was an adult, a young adult in their 20s somewhere, but uh, she had a wonderful, uh, huge respect for her husband. He went into the hospital. She was not able to see him from that point on. Went in, not for COVID, not the COVID crisis, but literally it was pneumonia, and then he had a heart attack, and he died. And then, this, this is what got me. She said, then he came out, and she was crying the whole first 14 minute segment I had she's constantly weeping and that's not normal uh, for, for what our listeners here but uh, it grabbed my heart because then she said then they handed me his bio matter here is his bio matter and she and on that she said he wasn't bio matter this is my husband and, and it, she was just undone and uh, she really called because she was either thinking God doesn't exist and or um, why live? And so she was suicidal. And I, I never will forget when I went to the break, I said, God, please, please minister to her. And, and, you know, through our conversation. So when she came back, I said, do you think there's a possibility that you have more compassion for those who are now widowed than most others who have never experienced this? And she said, oh, I know I do. I know I have more compassion. I said, 
do you think you have more compassion for those who have been sexually abused? Do you think that because of your experience and you understand, do you think you have more compassion? And she said, I'm positive. I, I, I know I have more compassion. I said, do you think God wants to be purposeful in your life and use you in such a way that you could make a difference because then you have earned respect when you've gone through it yourself and people can listen to you where they may not listen to others. I said, what would make your husband most proud of you? Would it be just giving up and just saying, you know, I can't handle this anymore, whatever? Or, or do you think there would be something else? And she said, oh, no, I know he would want me to make a difference in the lives of others. All of a sudden, her whole tone changed. And that's, that's what I was so struck with, Craig, because she all of a sudden began to understand there can be purpose through pain. There can be purpose within our pain because he is a God of order, the one who created us, the, who created the whole universe. He is a God of order, and he says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And with that, it's like she said, well, yes, oh, I want to be using that found out that she sings, and I didn't expect that. But all, her, everything changed. And I think this is the point. Uh, she was tempted uh, to give up. And there are people all around us, all around us, and people who even you will not visibly see, Craig, but people listening to you, to us. And we need to speak the truth in terms of the way God will use what we think are horrible tests to uh, build within us a testimony. And she will have a testimony. And uh, I, I just was struck by the, the, the passion of her pain and the weeping. She said, I wasn't able to eat. This is when she was first talking. She said, I, I couldn't even wipe his brow. I couldn't kiss his cheek. I couldn't get in, couldn't do anything. And um, so it was the, the void that she has. Well, she, we've got to replace the voids in our life to say, okay, Lord, um, I don't know why the fullness of why you've allowed me to go through this, but I will, I'm willing to trust you with my life. And the key is having a true life-changing relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ where we humble our hearts and receive him as our personal Lord and Savior, not just mentally believing in Jesus, but literally entrusting our lives to him so that then he takes control and we give him control. That's what it means, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. So when we allow him to have control of us, and he puts into place the things that will make a difference, not just for our lives, but also in the lives of others. So I'm so thankful for what you are doing on radio, what 
we have the privilege to do on radio, and it's only a, a gift of grace and mercy that that He allows me to do anything that could be of benefit to change people's lives. I believe it is vital. Jesus said, the truth sets you free. People have got to hear the truth and know what the truth is so that they can be set free. You know, to underscore what you're saying, June, there is a notion that some have that as we've gone through all this churning in our country in recent years and sort of a recent year in this sort of shared experience that uh, the pain is all pointless. And and the sad thing about that perspective is that if the pain is all pointless, then suddenly we're living a life without purpose. And if there's no purpose and no meaning, then we're just kind of going through the motions killing time here. And and I'm struck by the fact that of, of many of the books that you've written, there's a devotional that you wrote called Seeing Yourself through God's eyes. And I think it helps to lend a glimpse into the perspective of not only how God sees us, but then how we should understand the application of God's viewpoint or view of us and how that can be life-changing. So that when pain, when turbulation comes into life, it's not viewed simply as something that we're trying to avoid and all pointless and without purpose, but rather that God can use each and every one of these experiences, as difficult as they may be, toward not only growing us closer to Him, but also developing us to use us for His purposes. I think of that woman whose experience you share, and I think, now there's a woman, if she really sees herself, and this terrible experience she's gone through from God's perspective, she has a real opportunity to minister to others from her own pain and use that in a purposeful fashion for the glory of the kingdom. You know, you mentioned uh, seeing yourself through God's eyes. I sent her that book and because it explains your identity in Christ. So imagine for a moment, Greg, let's say all of a sudden you have amnesia and you know that you need some some money, and then you and you know there's supposed to be money in the bank, and so you go to the bank and you say, um, "I would like to withdraw a hundred dollars." Uh, they say, "May I have your account number?" Uh, I'm sorry, um, I, I don't have that. Uh, and your name, please. Uh, well, I'm sorry, I, I don't, I don't know that, but I'm confident. I know I've, I've got resources in this bank. Uh, I, I know. I, you know, I've been, been told how much I have. Are you going to walk out with one penny if you don't even know who you are? Of course not. No. So we have to know who we are in Christ. If we don't know who we are in Christ, and I can promise you, I, I, I did not know who I was in Christ when um, I was in a mainline denomination, no Bible. No one took a Bible. There was a Sunday school. Um, you know, they had Bibles. You know, they had Bible studies. That's it. I, I, I had. I only heard civic sermons. So it's not just going to a church that claims to be a Christian church. I was asked, "Are you a Christian?" I, I, I said, "Yes." <laughs> that meant I wasn't Jewish. But that's what I thought. Uh, and you know, I, I had no idea what it meant to be a Christian. Thank God. There were people that I eventually saw that had what I call the real thing. I, I didn't know what they had. I just knew whatever they had, I wanted. 
and they certainly had a peace that passes all understanding. They could they could walk in with a Bible and even turn in the Bible. I didn't know how to even open the Bible to anything. So I know what it's like to go from darkness to light. And I can tell you, I questioned, I'm, I'm math or just, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, analytical. And I, I kept thinking, what what is true here? I just knew it was real when I saw a number of people who had authentic Christianity. And it took me a while to figure out, okay, well, I, but I'm not a wino in the gutter. I'm not, you know, drowning in an ocean. Why do I need to be saved? But I wasn't a skeptic, I, and I didn't want to be cocky. And so finally, when I saw what the scripture said, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll try. I'll, 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 you know, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But I could lose so much if it really would have worked. That was just my thinking. And thank God, um, I had enough people around me who were saying things. They were saying truth to me, like, um, June, are you aware? Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship with Christ. I thought, of course it's a religion. Why would they say that? But I didn't oppose anybody because I knew I didn't know anything. I didn't know information like they did. And yet I, I absorbed, absorbed. And this is the value of what you're presenting, Craig. You're presenting language that sometimes people don't understand because I didn't understand it. I had to listen for months. And finally I thought, I think this is real because it lines up with the Bible. And this is what the Bible is saying. And even though I didn't know much about the Bible, I didn't know anything about the Bible, but I was learning. So we need to be learners, learners from people who are wise. I think the key there is the Bible says, he who walks with the wise grows wise. That's Proverbs uh, thirteen twenty. And if you don't have wise people in your life, start praying. Pray for wise friends. Pray for wise people to be put into your life because he wants, God wants you to become Mature, uh, the Bible says it's iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So we need to be sharpened by wise people, not just anybody. And we need to be listening to the truth that sets us free. And, and I think especially, June, for such a time as this, right, as as the, the phraseology goes, because there is so much fear out there. So much misinformation. So many people that I think for the first time are being confronted by the reality of the fragility of life, the, 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 how temporary all of this is. That there are people that were with us this time a year ago whose friends and family had no inkling, no idea that suddenly they would be taken. And now they're asking the why questions. And most importantly, perhaps asking questions about, well, what's beyond all of this? And, and if there is a God, who is that God? And, and who is my, what is my relationship to him? Where do I go when I die? Those sorts of questions that, that I think it's important that people be exploring and seeking out. And for those that are struggling, um, whether it be questions about the here and after or just day-to-day minutia of you know raising kids, getting along with your spouse, it's important by the Bible says to, 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 there's wisdom in seeking many counselors and and to be able to find resources that you can lean on 
to help not only find the answers, but help support you through the difficult life challenges and experiences that we all go through. Uh, I I think, quite frankly, this is sort of a, a, a very unique juncture in time, at least for this current generation, that being able to get you, plugged you into so right. truth it's is so important. Happening. Yes. Um, I had a brother-in-law who uh, was raised an atheist, uh, Jewish heritage, but uh, but not practicing Jewish at all, just atheist. And just uh, very nice. And fortunately, I was his favorite relative. And um, yet here he ends up having brain cancer. And I remember uh, he, he was a conductor, um, uh, initially of the Colorado Spring Symphony and then the Boston Landmark um, orchestras. And so I flew in 10 days before he died. And I, I said to him, uh, Charles, eternity is too long to be wrong. I'm, I'm here because I care about you. I love you. And if I say I love you, that means I've, I've got to do what I think is in your best interest. And it doesn't matter that you may not understand why I'm going to share some things with you, but I have to. If I love you, I do what's best for you. And because eternity is too long to be wrong, I just want, may I share some things that I think are vitally important? And he said yes. And so I was able to present. Because I just didn't know if he'd ever really, really heard. Uh, I wasn't earlier allowed to do this with him and yet because somehow God forged the relationship he needed truth the truth of what God's plan was I call it the game plan of God and um, at the he, at the end of my presentation he said Gene I've never heard this before I said well everyone has a choice uh, life is a series of choices and I love you enough to share the truth with you about what God's game plan is and how he literally uh, dealt us. Our sin separates us from God, and yet we're all, the Bible says we've all sinned. So we've all blown it. We've all chosen wrong. So if our sin separates us, and yet there's a place called heaven, too, that he has planned for us, that's the why of Jesus Christ. That's the why. He left a perfect heaven. He left perfection and came to earth. He said, you don't take my life from me. I'm giving my life as a ransom for many. And so he chose to take, literally to die on the cross. Now, why would he do that? Why would he do that at all? Because he was perfect, and he's the only one who could pay the price that for our sin. We, we can't pay for our own sin, but he did so. He was like a substitute hitter of a on a on a baseball team. He he was a substitute for us, and he died on the cross so that. And here's the key: so that if we would humble our hearts and receive Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, then He would forgive us of all of our sin. It's not just mentally believing that there was someone named Jesus who lived long ago and had wonderful things to say it, it's about a relationship in fact the Bible I, I remember the first time Craig when I heard it's Christ, uh, the scripture uh, it's Christ in you the hope of glory I said Christ in you I, I don't understand 
I, and I thought it was mentally just believing in the existence of Jesus. And I didn't know that there was a relationship. I had no idea that there were other scriptures that, that would say that basically the same thing. I've been crucified with Christ. Well, that means I'm going to die to my own self-rule uh, and, 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 and literally have Christ living in me. And he is the one who will direct us, me, you, anyone who is willing to give him absolute control of their lives. And then... It's, he, in fact, I, I never forget a scripture, I, I never, of course, I, it was easy for me to say I've never seen any, seen this before, because I hadn't seen any scripture, but it said, faithful is the one who calls you, and he will do it. And I read it again, faithful is the one who calls you. The one who calls you is faithful. He'll call you, if he calls you to change, he'll equip you to change. If he calls you to be someplace, to change occupations, to have a different mindset. If he called you to do it, he'll equip you. Faithful is the one who calls you, and he will do it. So you're not on your own. And I think that it's vital to say, thank you, God, that you haven't given up on me. You have a plan and purpose for us all if we will yield our will to your will. And some people think, well, God doesn't have a plan. Well, he says he does. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Well, my gracious, that's the God who created us, who has a plan for us. And he says, if we come into a relationship, he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. There are a lot of people who leave us, but he will never do that when we're in a relationship with him. And so that is the best news we could ever have, that we don't have to be controlled by a pandemic or a That's loss right. of job or, or employment, which is tragic. But, you know, God can, he says, and, and this is important, we know, we've got to look at what, what does he say? Uh, what does the Bible say? Well, Philippians four nineteen, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. So he will provide for your needs, not your wants. It may not be certain times what you're wanting, but then he's going to use whatever that is. There will be purpose in your pain. There will be literally an opportunity for you to be the person God created you to be. Some solid advice, and certainly helping people understand that in a relationship with Christ, you are afforded life without with purpose. You're afforded life with purpose. And suddenly then, even when you go through the pain, you understand that it's not pointless, that in the grander plan, God can use that pain in working in you and through you to draw you closer to him and to impact the lives of those around you. June Hunt, we appreciate so much time, uh, June, uh, spending some with you today. And uh, again, congratulations on 35 years of ministry. And uh, we wish you much continued health and strength for enduring another 35 years till the Lord tarry. Information, by the way, on the web about all of June's wonderful work and her writings at hopefortheheart.org. That's hopefortheheart.org. 
hopeforthehearthope.org. And our thanks to the founder of Hope for the Heart, best-selling author June Hunt. 533, let's get caught up on some traffic. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. It has been, uh, my goodness, quite a few uh, years, I think uh, 18 all told, after Governor Greg Davis became the first California governor and the only one in the state of California and the second in history to be successfully recalled. Well, Gavin Newsom is uh, potentially about to join Davis's elite club. Now, the reasons for the recall of Greg Davis were legion, the California power crisis, the California budget crisis, the car tax, and eventually voters just said, enough is enough. Now, some would argue that at the time there was an argument that um, as he was trying to sort of fare or weather the storm, to the conservatives he was considered too liberal, to the liberals too conservative. In the end, as we know, his, uh, his fate was sealed. Might that be the same for the current governor? Let's get some insights now. Pete Peterson joins us. He is dean at the Pepperdine School of Public Policy. And Pete, is always a privilege to have you join us. Uh, this is really beginning to pick up some men- momentum. I think at the beginning, the governor was kind of just uh, uh, pshawing the whole thing. You know, no big deal. Don't think anything's mm. going to happen here. And all of a sudden, now even he is being forced to take this seriously. No, you're right, Craig, and great to be back with you. I think it's fair to say that the number of uh, what one Secretary Rumsfeld used to call known unknowns uh, are decreasing. Uh, One known unknown was whether this uh, recall was going to qualify for the ballot, and I think we all know that it is. Uh, Now we move to the next two known unknowns. Uh, Question one, does the recall actually uh, remove uh, our sitting governor from office, uh, which then precipitates the third known unknown? If so, uh, who will replace him? Uh, But we've, we've moved past the first major question. And, you know, there's a variety of opinions, certainly, I, I think, shared by Republican and Democrat alike in this state in relationship to uh, the governor's handling of COVID-19, uh, certainly his own personal response, meaning here are the rules you have to play by. There's a whole different set of rules for me. Uh, so so there's certainly um, some some severe and significant political risk there uh, and and forgive me pete if i seem to be kind of jumping the gun here but i've i've moved on from the might he be recalled to always being recalled the question then is who replaces him and i have to admit to you um i, I had kind of mixed feelings on the replacement of gray davis certainly better than gray davis and i think to his credit arnold schwarzenegger came in with some lofty ideas I think he was quickly, though, pulled back down to earth when he realized that it would be a Democrat-controlled, and I mean staunchly Democrat-controlled legislature with whom he would have to work. And eventually, I think, like many, just decided that this was a really significant uphill battle. Who might be in the offing, from your perspective, that that might even be somebody that would be a potential solid candidate to, uh, to run in that recall election? Well, Craig, first let me say in full disclosure that one of the leading candidates on the Republican side is actually serving as our 
visiting professor here uh, for this year, and that is uh, former San Diego Mayor Kevin Falconer. Uh, I think of the stated candidates, uh, he is the one that certainly brings the most experience in in political leadership. You know, Craig, this is I, it stuns people when I uh, recite the history that the California Republican Party has not run a Republican nominee for governor who has won a preceding election of any any size, from dog catcher to uh, congressman or woman, uh, since Pete Wilson back in the 90s. Uh, we have for over 20 years run as gubernatorial candidates, people who have had no uh, previous experience in winning a, a political race. Now, we can say that that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I would argue that the difference between 2020 and 2003 is that a lot of Californians from across the political spectrum are just, uh, they just don't believe that government is working for them across an array of issues. And I think it is important that Republicans put forth someone who's at least had some political experience, whether elected or administrative. Well, and not just the political experience to sort of work their way through the challenges and the minutia of the quagmire that is Sacramento. But then you touch on a very critical and pivotal point, and that is, you know, there's a lot to brag about in our state. I'm a California native, so there are many things about our state of which I am very proud, and there are many things about our state of which I am wholly and completely embarrassed. And when I see some of the crazy runaway legislation, whether it be this this culture that is uh, so anti-family um, to a culture that is so anti-business, and apparently unabashedly so, as if there's somebody convinced out there in Sacramento that, oh, they'll never all leave. That can't possibly happen. And so we behave as if there's just, um, you know, there's no limit that we're willing to cross. And the one big concern I have with um, with Gavin Newsom, while, while there's much of, of his handling of the pandemic that I'm not really excited about, I could say that of many governors across the country and, and cut them some slack by saying, well, you know, there, that was missing from the gubernatorial handbook, right? We've, we've kind of never been down this road. But then when I look at the crazy legislation and the fact that there's no gatekeeper, I mean, it, it, listeners to this program would think they'd never see the day when Craig Roberts would use the phrase, I miss Jerry Brown. <laughs> but, but to think that at least even Jerry Brown would say, no, that one is a field too far and veto it, and yet this governor has essentially said, "I don't care how crazy, how 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 ridiculous, how extreme the legislation might be. You pass it, I'll sign it." That, in my mind, is the single most factor why this man needs to be removed. Well, you raise certainly a, a very important point about the the legislation that has been passed, but I, I, I would also just point to some of these other matters. Let's just take a look at the, the crisis and the scandal at California's Employment Development Department. I know this is a story that you've covered 
elsewhere. Uh, essentially, the department for the state of California that pays out unemployment benefits. In any other time, a $31 billion fraud perpetrated on the taxpayers of California would get just about any governor removed. And here we are uh, here in the state of California and ask most voters about what's transpired with a major statewide agency and the governor's inability to fix it. Uh, and I'm sure it doesn't rank within the top 20 issues that most Californians care about. But that is just one of a number of issues. Uh, the power issue and electricity costs and power shutoffs. You know, as we get into the spring and summer, I don't have much of a doubt that we are going to see a number of these uh, power shutoffs that are related certainly to a, a grid um, and a power system that we're paying a lot of money for individually as as Californians, but we're not seeing the performance. And then as you rightly talk about, the number of California businesses that are relocating the cost of not only doing business here, but living in California without a real plan to address it. I think, uh, you know, those those almost two million signatures on the recall petition aren't just Republicans. A lot of Democrats and certainly decline to state voters are exasperated by this governor as well. And undoubtedly, as you point out, we've been through some difficult times under this governor's quote-unquote leadership, and there's more ahead. And I have no doubt that, um, sadly, we'll probably face come uh, the summer months, a repeat of last year. And I look at these matters, and I think to myself, Pete, you know, I've been around for a long time, but trees have been around longer than me. It's not as if the forest just showed up a couple of days ago, and my goodness, we don't know what to do with it. You know, this has been yeah. here. And the fact that we can't manage our forests, we can't deal with fire prevention, we can't engage in public policy that at least guarantees that we have the infrastructure to protect the grid and um, the, the environment, the trees at the same time, I find phenomenal, let alone the notion that somehow... Pacific Gas and Electric seems to think that we operate as a third world country, and that's okay. And I think most Californians would say, no, it's not okay. As this thing begins to uh, pick up additional momentum, and uh, it, it seems pretty clear now that uh, once the Secretary of State's office goes through and starts verifying signatures, that this indeed will be a ballot measure. Um, mm -hmm. uh, where and how can folks get information so they can get educated on not just the recall effort, but also potential candidates? Well, I, I think there are a couple really good news sources. I would point out the work done be, by the California Policy Center. Uh, I think that's a great resource for uh, news regarding California's economic climate, the energy situation that you've just touched on. You know, we didn't even talk about K-12 education and the what's become obvious, I think, to most Californians that we are not indeed following the science. Uh, that we have a governor who is beholden to the California uh, teachers' unions. Uh, that is a major issue that cuts across party lines. A lot of that information will be available there. And, of course, I would say even staying tuned to um, 
the California Secretary of State's office because that's where the date is going to come when this qualifies for uh, the ballot and uh, understanding and seeing which candidates are actually going to put their name in the hat. Remember, in 2003, we had uh, 135 candidates on the ballot for that second question after the the recall or not uh, being the first question for Gray Davis. And there's every chance we could see over 100 candidates this time around, too. Wow, amazing. Well, much to be thinking about, and certainly we're, we're coming into some challenging periods when it relates to uh, public policy. And uh, as you heard Pete Peterson just reference a moment ago, the state of public education in California alone, as we discussed at length yesterday with Brad Dacus concerning the so-called ethnic studies model curriculum, uh, that is more of this slow march towards paganism, secularism, um, replacement theology. I mean, you, you name it, they're trying it. Um, there's a lot facing our state. And uh, let's not any of us think that, well, an election cycle, it'll fix everything. Um, progressively, things seem to be getting worse and worse. And I say that with somebody that, that has a, a, a viewpoint of having followed all of this for many decades, a lot of that time here with you. We need to be actively involved in the process, most certainly at the ballot box and certainly being educated so that we can vote with our heart, vote with our head, vote wisely, and then to engage to, to whatever degree we can in this public policy process. And, you know, there are those of you listening right now who have children and grandchildren that are thinking about careers. How about a career that could be literally life-changing and world-changing in the public policy arena. The Pepperdine School of Public Policy uh, is a great place to learn more and to start and to get more information. You can go online to publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. That's publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. And our thanks to the Dean of the Pepperdine School of Public Policy, Pete Peterson, for joining us with that update. Speaking of updates, let's get you one on traffic. <laughs> 